Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. The overall cybersecurity field is largely unrepresentative of women. Some evaluations put that number at 13% of the cyber workforce. In the federal government, women make up about a quarter of the IT workforce. For NIH Center for Information Technology CISO Jyothi Dugar, she's making it a priority to bring a certain leadership style to her role, one that promotes wellness and diversity. She explains how this approach is empowering her staff to become better leaders and why it's necessary in government IT and in the cyber field especially. Jyothi, thank you for joining us on GovCast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. NIH is one of the largest federal health agencies. What does your role at its Center for Information Technology entail? Um, So my primary role is uh, the Chief Information Security Officer for NIH CIT, but I'm in a great position. Um, I do a variety of other things as well. That's truly my passion is to bring employee wellness to the community there, bring in the passion for diversity, especially in the cyber field and technology. And I do a lot of mentoring, which I'm also really passionate about, and really empowering the people of the organization. What led you to working with the NIH to begin with? So that takes me back to a long ways. Um, I started with the DOD since uh, high school. I had a lot of summer programs, summer internships with the Department of Defense, and I stayed there for quite a while, pretty much until a few years ago when I joined NIH. So I just wanted to get a, a different perspective on things versus the DOD side of doing things. But I loved the DOD, um, but you know, I wanted to help people more in a holistic way. So I thought I'll get into healthcare. And I've always wanted to be a doctor when I was young, just, just because I thought that would be a great opportunity to, to help people. So it's really funny how things worked out here where I get to bring in uh, technology and cyber, but in the healthcare field. How has your understanding of technology changed over time? Well, technology used to be synonymous with just computers. Everyone thought if you're technical, then you just you're really good with computers. But now the word technology just means so much and so different depending on how and what it's used for. I would have never thought in a million years that you could use artificial intelligence and robots to do surgeries on humans. So I think just the aspect of technology is getting bigger and bigger every day and and exciting. The cybersecurity industry, as we know, it's seeing a large shortage in professionals. There have been various reports that say women in cybersecurity are a severe minority, perhaps as low as 11% globally. Do you feel empowered as a woman in this space? My passion is to empower women in this space. As a female growing up in um, technical fields, I was an electrical engineering major. I was one of the few, if not the only, um, women in that major in, in that college. I found that you have to empower yourself and dream big. You can't limit yourself based on your current skill set. You have to just dream of yourself in the position that you want to be, and you will get there. And also, the key factor to that is believing that you will get there and not having any doubts about that. And I truly feel that, you know, all my dreams have come true, just imagining myself in this position where it's not just a technical position for me. Um, it, you know, I'm able to do everything and bring my passion to to my work all in, all in one place. As a woman, CISO, what are some of the struggles women pursuing STEM professions face in general? In my opinion, there's two parts to this. One part is the corporate world struggles of providing ourselves to others as women, especially when we take on leadership roles in male-dominated professions. 
The other part is our inherent struggles as women that we face daily just by being feminine and being women. We feel the need to put on a masculine mask to do our jobs, and we feel sometimes that we have to do it as well as the men do, and we don't give ourselves the credit of just being genuine in our bodies ourselves and staying in our feminine energies. Um, and sometimes that's categorized falsely as being weak, which is completely a mistake because I, I, I truly believe that feminine energy is the strongest energy you could ever, you could, you could be. So sometimes we hold ourselves back from taking risks due to the chance of failure when it's really not a failure, it's just lessons learned. Feminine energy, I like that. It is really time for we as women to rise in the world and just to be our natural selves, not feel the need to pretend like we have to be as good as the men. We are good just the way we are. Did you have your own female mentor growing up? I did not. I, I, I looked at other women out there that are making an impact in the world, like Mother Teresa and people like that. But I knew I didn't want to only do that. Like I wanted to make an impact in, in areas where I didn't see the women at, like technology and, and cyber. So I feel like that is the biggest I, I think regret I had growing up. But I didn't want our younger generation to grow up with those kinds of regrets. So that's why I'm really passionate about being that mentor and being that role model for as many people as I can with the younger generation, but also for other women out there to really show them that you can have it all. You know, I have three kids, happily married. I have two side businesses and I'm a CISO at a really awesome agency. And, you know, I, I love, I mean, I wake up every day just feeling excited and happy to, to make that change. And I think if I can do it, any, anyone can. Well, that, that really is an inspiration to a lot of women, especially in this space, that you don't have to pick just one track. You have all these things. You have your life. You have important work in cybersecurity, for example. And I think maybe you yourself are probably a mentor to a lot of aspiring females. Yes. I started going to speak at different schools and colleges to start young because I noticed that once you've hit the job field, it's not that it's too late, but you have to start even younger than that and just train our, our girls right from a grade school level to believe in themselves, to aim high. And if they find uh, sports or fields that they want to be in, and currently it's, it's, it's uh, you don't see girls, they're like, that's okay. Like, you can be the first person. You know, you're going you're gonna to fail. That's okay. Just pick yourself back up and learn the lesson from that and keep moving. It doesn't mean that you just have to stop there and, oh, this is not for me. What is the impact of a lack of diversity in STEM professions in general, especially cybersecurity? STEM careers are often referred to as purely technical um, and cyber included. For me, what I see in STEM, um, and especially in cyber, is that you cannot be successful in just learning technology. You have to be a well-rounded person. And this goes for males or females, doesn't really matter. Um, you, you have to be able to connect with others. You have to have empathy. You have to learn, you know, uh, emotional intelligence. You know, just having a high IQ but a very low EQ, which is what we see a lot these days, especially in technology, is only going to get you so far. So whether you're just starting out or whether you're uh, you're in leadership, especially in leadership, I would think you you would need to be well-rounded, have people skills, understand the technology and keep up with it, but doesn't mean you have to be only focused on that. And by diversity, that's also a 
an area where I feel there's a lot of misconception. Sometimes people think of diversity and they only think of race, and that to a very minor subset of that race. For me, diversity means a collection of various different things. There's cognitive diversity, age, race, culture, ethnicity. It's all part of it. And even the education levels and skill set. It's all it, it brings in a diverse workforce. And where I thought what's really lacking these days is just that collaborative nature of people. Um, there's a lot of competition type of mindsets out there. And we really need to do a better job in leading by example from the leadership level down to really set that tone for the organization that it's a, it's a collaborative, it's diverse, we're all working together for the same mission. So that's an interesting take on, especially in technology nowadays, we hear so much about modernizing or um, trying to keep up with the latest trends. And we never really think about the workforce aspect as far as the personalities that are involved. It's not just about skills. Um, So I'm glad you brought up that about the emotional element to it. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I I truly believe that people are the heart of the organization. If you don't empower your people um, and you don't take care of your people, then your organization will only go so far or they'll leave or they'll find better opportunities. So I, I truly believe that as they say, the heart is the center of a person, then the people are the center of the organization. How has your own health and wellness journey influenced how you approach your work at NIH? Based on my recent struggles after my third baby was born, there were several complications that stemmed from an OB that wasn't paying a whole lot of attention when she conducted my C-section. So because of that, I spent about two years, actually until recently, um, still recovering from that. But what I was able to do is recover naturally using holistic alternative medicine and just using my own willpower and positive thinking. And I learned a lot through this whole process, met some phenomenal natural doctors. So one would think that you would have regrets of doing that. And like, I have no regrets. Of course, at that time, when, I, when it first happened, I might have had some questions. <laughs> um, but I truly believe this was, this, it's all meant to be, and it happened for a reason. Now, because of that, it was able to change my whole perspective on, on life. So before, I, I used to just live by default and just kind of go about my day and, and um, not really pay too much attention to it. Now, I live by design. Like every minute of my day, it has a purpose to it. So I'm not just wasting time wondering what's next. Um, I, it helps with time management. It's also enabled me to bring a holistic and integrative viewpoint to my work as well as my life. So when I go into work, I'm able to come in a good positive frame of mind and with a mission and a uh, purpose to serve others. And also I can see things in a much more integrative way. So what this taught me was that it wasn't just one solution that I was able to heal from. It was a, a combination of multiple different solutions and multiple different therapies and um, different remedies. And it also, so that's it's more of an integrative. And I also had to think of it as a holistic mind-body energy type of approach. So if you have a negative mindset, whatever remedies you try to do, it's not going to work. And 
So I was able to kind of change the mindset, think positive, be positive, and then suddenly everything just started connecting the dots or thing, ideas will come to you. Um, so I brought that to the workforce, really. So, um, and I look at cyber in that same manner. It's not, you can't, there's no silver bullet out there. You can't just implement one tool or one solution and that's it, you're 100% safe now. And that really goes down to the people aspect of it. A lot of people, a lot of organizations, um, decrease the uh, decrease the importance on the people aspect. You know, we're, we're all looking at various tools, how many tools we have to implement, and then we feel a false sense of security that, oh, we've implemented these firewalls, we've implemented these kinds of uh, agents out there, so now we should be safe. And then really all it takes is one person to do a small mistake, and that's what they call insider threat sometimes referred to as a malicious uh, act. It doesn't have to be malicious. It could just be a very simple mistake that a person clicked on a link and now your network is in question. So if you really focus on the people aspect, changing the culture, changing the mindset, empowering your people to do the right thing even when they're not being watched, and that's, that's key, just like with kids. If you empower them to do the right thing when you're not there, then you know you've set them up for success versus if they're just doing the right thing when you're there because they're scared of you, then you know that that's not going to really work well. <laughs> yeah, the fear tactic. Yes. <laughs> How has this approach resonated on your team? Has, has it been met with praise or or awe at all? Yes. Um, so that's where all the, the wellness aspect comes into play. Um, I recently taught for Fitness Month in June. I taught a Bollywood dancer size class and as, as well as a strengthening your core based on all my experience. And it's funny because people thought that I was this outside person that's coming in and trying to like, oh, can you do this every week? I'm like, no, I actually have another day job here. It's called a CISO. And like, you are a CISO? <laughs> so what? It, what? And, and sometimes it's, it's a little baffling for them. Like, so I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, that's quite all right. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's the other way around. It's like, you're a dancer too? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that, I'm glad you mentioned that. So a lot of there's a lot of thought out there that uh, STEM, cyber technology is one side of the coin, and then the arts and creative side is just this whole other side that sometimes is deemed as like woo woo, she she, or we don't really that has nothing to do with technology. And I forgot to mention that and how it all plays a part in the diversity because if you don't bring in that creative side into the technology side and you don't merge that, then you're going to be thinking with the same strategies that everybody else is, including a adversary. So you have to bring in that creative and artistic side. And I, I am a director of a local dance uh, company, and that has really done wonders for me because I teach children, and teaching children is very different from teaching adults. And you have to take a different approach uh, and customize it for each person or, or each student. You can't just say, so it's like a, I teach this way, take it or leave it. You have to understand, okay, this person might learn more of a visual. This person might learn more of a, a verbal education. This person might have to just see something like, you know, on, on paper. And that's the same approach with, with cyber. You can't go to your executives in the same a way that you would deal with staff and or deal with clinicians. So you have to be able to use creative words, creative uh, vocabulary to explain something to a chief financial officer than you would to uh, a staff clinician or a researcher and make them understand 
their role and what they play in, in cyber or whatever that you're, that you're trying to talk to them about and have them understand the impact that they would have to the organization in that field. Wow, interesting. I, I'm a dancer myself, so in, in my, um, my night job, I guess, <laughs> I go to ballet class, so oh, wow. um, that, that's also very inspiring and kind of a Yeah, definitely a bring that. <laughs> <laughs> what steps do you think those in federal and public leadership positions can take to improve the overall environment for their teams? NIH has a program called NIH Advancing Diversity Program, and they actually bring in different colleges and universities that either they've worked with or they fund to speak about how they're addressing this diversity epidemic in the biomed sciences. Um, So I had the honor of going to one, which was phenomenal. And I realized that there's a diversity problem issue in more fields than just technology. Um, I did not actually realize that they're the same issue exists in the biomed sciences. So in this program, they, they had universities come in and they started talking about how they're changing the institutional culture in their universities by raising campus-wide uh, cultural uh, awareness through their leadership in combination with employee engagement and they really emphasize, to emphasize the importance of diversity. Um, and they mentioned, which is also something that I truly value, is that leadership must be the role models. People want to see themselves in their leaders. So if your leaders don't look like the people that they lead, then you'll only go so far. And so what they meant by that is you have to show diversity in your leadership as well. But in your leadership, they also have to be the role models, like really pushing for this and, and, and showing their support. And in my approach, in my opinion, the approach has to be not just top down, but also bottom up and all across. So it cannot be one or the other. And I've been in organizations that most organizations have a single approach. Um, it's either top down or it's only bottom up and that's it. Uh, and and. I think you've seen the pros and cons of, of either or. So it really has to be more of a collaboration. Like the, t- the role model, the leaders have to be the role models and promote the cause from top to bottom. Employees have to be more engaged and understand their role in things and to, to take that bottom up approach. And then we have to work together collaboratively across the board. Is this an NIH sponsored program? It is a program that they had arranged where this is the first time that I went to it, but I thought it was a, just to know that it's, it's truly valued and they're working with multiple or, uh, universities and colleges. So the word is getting out there and, and we're all trying, it looks like, as a community or village effort to, to bring importance to this. Great. Where do you see technology in the workforce making the most impact in healthcare, tech and cyber maybe over the next five years? Um, With the rise of artificial intelligence and newer technologies day by day, there's really no going backwards. We can't really go back to manual ways of doing things anymore. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to healthcare IT, we really have to find new and innovative ways of securing, um, especially our medical devices and medical instruments. But we must also collaborate and join together to be more proactive and take a a community uh, cohort type of uh, approach to things. I think if every hospital or every healthcare organization or even every government agency just tries to do something on their own in their own little silos, then 
you know, you're, you're, you're not really setting yourself up for success as, as a community. So I think as, as organizations struggle with the same kinds of issues, why try to solve them by ourselves? We really need to be more collaborative and try to find solutions together across, across the board. Do you think this idea or the way you approach your team and, and your leadership position, do you think it might influence other agencies to follow in those footsteps? Do you think maybe that university program is a first step toward that? I would definitely hope so. Um, I think now the the awareness is there. Um, so I know several years ago that awareness might not have even been there. So that's the first step. But we can't just stop there. We have to keep marching on, um, start with the awareness, and then start taking actions. And sometimes when you think of a goal being too big, it becomes almost non-feasible, and then you tend to back off and like, oh, this is too big, let's just not do anything. Um, but I think maybe uh, thinking of it in small chunks of it might might work. So maybe start with the top-down approach first, you know, have your leadership be the, the, the mentors and role models. And then maybe as a next step, then start employee wellness programs and start looking at the people. Why are your people happy? <laughs> Um, to begin with, and if they're not happy, why aren't they happy? What, what and what can we do? That doesn't necessarily mean some would take that to mean, oh, are we offering things that we can, we cannot promise on? Um, but you'd be surprised to 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 learn sometimes when you take a poll, and I've done this before, on what really motivates people and what gets them going. It's not always money. Um, you don't necessarily join the government to become a millionaire. You, you join it because you might be passionate about the mission of the organization. Um, so what is it that's going to get them going and what, what juices them in, in life? And that's where I think looking at them from a holistic point of view really helps because you bring the whole person to work. So you can't just leave your personal side at home and fully concentrate on work. And the same way, you don't just leave your work at work and go back home and never talk about it. That would be the... I mean, what, that, that's the goal. That's but. the goal, but, <laughs> you know, it's all part of you. So it, it, I think looking at the people, um, seeing what's, what's going on, you know, what is it? And, and one agency did this that I just learned about is they would have personas for people. Um, so you, they have your picture on there. So psychologically, when you see your picture on something, it automatically just attracts your, your brain to that. And then they would have this uh, mechanism where this is where you are now. Um, and they would talk to you, of course, and like, this is where you want to be in five years. What are some of the steps you need to take? Or maybe the certifications or maybe some conferences. Or if you're a person that struggles with self-confidence, maybe you have to give a talk somewhere to kind of get that out, face your fears. Um, they would have this roadmap and then your kind of end goal here. And then when you envision that, some people have put them up on their walls and, you know, something to look at when you're feeling down, like, oh, is this the right thing for me to do? And you look at your persona and your and your roadmap. It, it's almost a uh, motivation factor. So you also have a couple books coming out this year. Tell me more about those. I do. One is called Women Underrated. Um, so you can guess what that's about. <laughs> um, and it's not just a memoir or a book that uh, just talks about the struggles. It, it is a book that should, my, my hope is it that it's, it's inspiring for, for even young girls to read and women out there to, to show, you know, you can have had anything happen to you. And I'm not dismissing anything negative that could have happened to people, but don't let that drive your whole life. You know, there has to be a point where 
you process that, you forgive whatever, whomever, or even yourself in that, and then you move on and let that drive you to be a better person and to be there for others versus uh, a lot of times what happens is you kind of use that as a reason not to do anything um, further. So that's just my ultimate goal is to just show, you know, how you can dream big and achieve what you want as a woman and as a girl. And you don't have to limit yourself to your current skills because I truly believe that confidence is a skill and it can be learned. So with your interesting take on your leadership approach and with your involvement in cybersecurity, where do you see your path taking you next? Opportunities come to you for a reason and just understanding your role in that opportunity. And for and I, at the NIHCIT, I, I, I truly believe that I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to be their change agent, to bring all of these aspects together in, in one place. And it's very ironic, um, I, I would say, that you're, I'm in a purely very technical place, and, but I'm still able to bring other sides of just a person to that side. So it's not just the technology or cyber side. I'm also able to bring that wellness and the dance and <laughs> um, writing and just and empowering people. Um, so it can be done. And so my thought is I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm, I'm so excited to serve this mission for them. And then let's see where that path takes me in the future. Well, thanks for joining us on GovCast. This was a fantastic conversation. I'm looking forward to looking out for your books that are coming out. Um, where would I be able to find those, by the way? So it's not out yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, once it's out, it'll, it should be on an Amazon and all the, the local uh, book channels as well. Great. I'll look out for those. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. GovCast is produced and hosted by Amy Kluber. Edited by Stephen Sullivan. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. <laughs>